You're listening to Brumpod, the podcast for small businesses by small businesses, discussing the topics that matter to you, including marketing, networking, generating business awareness, as well as covering various business tools and technology. Brought to you by Brummies Networking, the home of free, stripped-back business networking. Produced by AudioShed Podcast Studio. Welcome to Brumpod episode 53. I'm Richard Heathcoats, and I am here with Jason and Ewan. Hello. Hello. And we're doing a slightly unplanned podcast today. Uh, planned in the sense that we were due to publish one anyway, but unplanned in the sense of picking out some of the things that are happening currently in the news that revolve around planning and things that are being planned that haven't been planned seemingly that well. So we thought, well, we'll wing it and have an unplanned episode about planning. And when does planning become procrastination? So, to kick things off... I'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, we'll we'll be back in about five minutes. (laughs) So, yes, as a slight um, start of a 10, we'll just catch up on the state of electric vehicles because we did do an episode with a motoring journalist a little little while ago, which you may well have heard. If you haven't, do check it out because it was a very good one, even in our humble opinion. So, uh, so yes, recent things in the news. Transport body Midlands Connect calls for urgent action needed to speed up the installation of EV charging points across the Midlands uh, because they anticipate that EV use will increase by more than 3,000% by the end of the decade. So installation of EV chargers must be six times as fast to support growing demand compared to now. 93% of EV owners, they say, have access to off-street parking, so therefore could install chargers at home. However, one-third of Midlands households do not have off-street parking, so would need to solely rely on public charges. And 55% of motorists at the moment say that the lack of public charging points is a concern, and that puts them off buying EV cars at the moment. So, one thing to slightly counter that, I feel a bit like a newsreader now. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But to counter that, things like that hopefully maybe slightly less of an issue in the future when more mainstream car brands come out uh, that have larger ranges between charges. There's a, a forthcoming BMW iX, which has recently been announced, which will be, to my knowledge, the first mainstream car brand to have a larger range than a Tesla, which are generally the current kings of the range. I think range anxiety has always been the issue, but if you look at the news, you know what, what brought us on the... Um, the planning one is you're looking at the current issues with electricity supply and all those people with off-street parking are going to have to buy a Peloton and hook it up to a generator and use and pedal so they can charge their car and use it the next morning, which is obviously a great way of staying fit. But yeah, it still comes down to this idea that people are used to petrol stations and a ready supply that lasts a long time and now there's all this uncertainty that there's not going to be enough charging points there's not going to be enough electricity there's not going to be enough parking spaces and you're just looking at how do we get to this point and you know how much of it is bad planning how much of it is genuine unintended consequences you know, nobody expected that fire at the um, Stubbs substation that's connected to France that's going to halve the amount of electricity it can generate until next spring. Um, but how much of it was predictable and predicted as well? 
pretty much of it, I think. Yeah. Uh, especially on on electricity supply, because you know, on the one hand, you've got people putting a very very tight time scale on everybody, you know, moving to electric vehicles, while not doing very much about having sustainable. By which I mean, you know, continuous power supply to actually make this thing work. Yeah, they've set a destination and a deadline and haven't actually set out a plan of how they're going to reach it. And apparently it's a surprise that the wind doesn't blow all the time. I mean, this all the time. breaking news, wow. isn't it? <laughs> well, absolutely. It is the yeah. government. Well, you found an article, didn't you, Ewan, about the um, EV charges, public charges being turned off for periods in the day? Yeah. Because uh, one of the things that's going to happen is, is people are going to come home from work. They're going to park their car on their drive or on the street or whatever. And the first thing they're going to do is to plug it in. And since everybody does that and everybody's also putting on kettles and all the rest of it, um, there's going to be a, a spike in demand. So one of the things they're going to do is to actually switch off charges for five to seven hours a day just to make sure that the rest of us still have electricity. Like with broadband, where they throttle back during peak usage, because a bit like water, the idea is if everybody on your street turn their tap on at the exact same time, the water pressure is going to drop and just you'll just get a trickle. But with an electric current, it's different. I mean, it just basically just takes more and more and you would imagine that if they're making this move, why are they not working on the infrastructure? Turning it off is a short-term solution. What are they doing about the long-term stuff? And, you know, politics aside, we're not sort of trying to have a go at governments or administrations. You know, we're, we're apolitical as a, as a group. But as basic business planning, if you you know you do this for a career you and you advise people on structural changes to their business exit strategies planning is in your dna what do you make of all this ah there's there's not enough good planning going on um i also suspect that people are relying too much on the plan uh, management writer peter drucker once said that plans are useless, but planning is vital. But it's actually the process uh, of going through and asking what if, you know, how are we going to achieve that, um, that enables you to cope with the changes. But See, I like that. That makes you think about when you have a plan, it's not about this is the plan, and then when it breaks, it's like, what do we do now? It's about what could happen along the way, branching scenarios, options, yeah. alternatives. You know, Richard, you work in a creative industry. You get briefs, you know, a plan that probably change all the time. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's been many a project which has um, been greenlit and signed off, and then they get me to do the record. And then as soon as I've sort of hit stop and then about to edit, I then get an email saying, well, there's just been a few changes. The script, the client's changed their mind and this now needs to be this way. And like, yeah, yeah, I've kind of done it. So now you're going to have to pay more. 
So the, the I always now make a point of waiting and saying, is this... I get, I get a definitive, yes, this is greenlit and ready to go, because I know full well that that can happen and does happen. So do you ever end up waiting so long, you know, procrastinating on it, to the point where you then have to rush it through at the last minute, or is it a case of... I've got my deadline, and if there's no new information, this is what I'm going to do on this date. Or is it a bit of both? Oh, well, yeah, a bit of both. But, I, yeah, other projects have been um, planned for ages. I've been contacted at a fairly early stage where the script isn't written. I then wait sometimes a month or two before the thing's written and ready to go. Uh, and then it's a case of, oh, by the way, we need this yesterday. Um, yeah. So it's like, yeah, doesn't really work like that. Because you can get pulled in two directions with planning. One is that you do you do the scant amount of planning and then you kick off and you fix it on the fly. You know, you fix you fix the wheels while the wagon's still rolling. And then there's other times where you plan, you plan, you plan, you plan your alternative, you plan your B, C, D, E, and you know, new variations if you want, and then by the time you've actually signed off your plan and implemented it, your competitors have already crossed the finish line. Well, yeah, case in point, there's there's been many a time where clients have sent me a script in Word format and it's got the whole track changes thing enabled. Yeah. So I, I, I like to receive a script that is literally just clear words. Yeah. In sequence, you know, has words normally appear. And, well, unless um, you speak them, in which case they sound pretty random. Yeah, and they can be garbled. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, there's been many a document I've opened, and it's just an absolute sea of letters and notes and lines and colours and things scribbled out and things being replaced, and then additions and replacements in the sidebar thing. And it's like, well, it's often impossible to actually work out what is, even if you turn the track changes off or just you know tell it to show final it never actually shows i've I've never managed to get it working so I'm, I'm, i normally have to go back to them and just say can you work it all out your end and then just let me know the final document in pdf or whatever that's completely clear so i haven't got to interpret it when i'm actually recording it because it, it's impossible to record it in that state i'm surprised that the client doesn't do that because how how do you know what's approved at the client end before they send it to you. Well, yeah. And that, those are the sort of documents where they're, they're always suffixed with uh, version 973. Uh, so you're never quite sure if this is the final, final, final dot PDF. <laughs> yeah. You and, do you ever get those ones where they're so hesitant flick the switch on a plan because and they, they make so many revisions that they never actually get to uh, to implement it. Oh, yeah, the old paralysis by analysis. You can always find more information um, by which time the, the situation has changed and, um, you know, life has moved on and you need to start planning again. It's a bit like painters people who slap on emulsion in your house, but um, artists, and they are notorious for never quite finishing a, a, a painting. 
because there's always that little bit that you can tweak. Well, now at some stage, you've got to finish it and get on with it. See, an artist for art's sake, that's, <clears throat> they always say, art is never finished. It's a, it's a process that goes on. Uh, yeah, but if you're a commercial artist and you've got a deadline, like Richard, then yeah, art is finished. Art's finished at the point where you submit your invoice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the old story that, that, um, you know, the perfect can be the enemy of the good. Yeah. Well, you'll never get a perfect plan, but yeah, and yes, you can overthink it, but you can then also underthink it and not expect, you know, the unexpected. Which, yeah, I mean, by definition, that phrase is nonsense. You can never expect the unexpected. You can expect the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. But, but yeah, you can are... expect that, that something will be unexpected. That you, you've yeah. not thought of something or there is something that you could not have thought of. Well, who'd have thought this week that we would have to subsidise foreign fertiliser plants in order to get fizzy drinks. It sounds insane, me saying it. But, yeah, you suddenly didn't realise that if industry slows down and byproducts that are used in other industries are, get a knock-on effect, then you can get results that you never thought would happen. You know, free economics. Nobody assumed these two would be connected, and yet suddenly they are. Should they have assumed? Should there have been a um, a plan to protect, you know, supplies and infrastructure? You know, how many businesses have to write a business continuity plan about what would happen in the event of their offices burned down or they got, uh, you know, locked out of their own files by the North Korean hackers? Not necessarily North Korean hackers. We do like North Korea, if you're listening in. That got dark very other, quickly, Other hackers it? are available. Yeah. Other hackers are available. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'd, I'd also like to say that uh, I do appreciate the work that the um, CIA are doing in um, monitoring our communications and keeping us safe. <laughs> Swiftly moving on, yeah. um, this, to round off the EV segment of this uh, episode, there's also a, another stat we found that says um, ministers have admitted that only around 500 plug-in points are being installed every month, way below the 700 a day industry bodies say are needed. So, yeah. Again, supply and demand. Yeah. It, 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 did nobody do a cost-benefit analysis on this? Did they not look at this before and think, how are we going to plug this gap? Yeah. Plug, and the plug, other thing uh, is, is uh -huh. there's a worldwide shortage of um, uh, chip components for vehicles now. What, potatoes? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, we may go back to just running cars on potatoes. It made life easier, I think, yeah. No, no there's probably more potatoes. Yeah, well, come on. It's that's the greenest. Um, that's the greenest form of transport out. I mean, it eats the green stuff by the roadside, and even its waste product is completely biodegradable. Except that there was a Victorian engineer who calculated, I think, that by the year two thousand, 
London would be neck deep in horse manure. And he was right. <laughs> yeah. And to but be fair, naturally not metaphorical. <laughs> yes. And the crazy thing about that, somebody ran the numbers. Doesn't look like they ran them on the charging points until after they decided that we were going to go for EV cars. Yeah, that's like yeah. buying a new um, CRM system for your business without knowing what the final cost is going to be, or starting a new rail line from London to Birmingham without knowing what the final cost is going to be. Nobody would ever do that, yes. That would be ridiculous. It does all seem a little bit odd. I mean, telling everyone no petrol and diesel cars being sold after 2030. Right, everyone switch to EV as soon as you can. Brilliant, will do. Off we go, trundle, trundle, trundle. Right, we'll put all these charges in. Oh, yeah, we're putting them in way less frequently than we should. Uh, when we do put them in, we're going to switch them off. So um, it, it's it's all a bit mad in my view. Hopefully it just means that more and more businesses are going to have incentives and, and be incentivized to install charging points at the workplace so at least people can charge while they're at work and then while they're at home. Um, yeah, as things stand, it's going to mean that everyone is going to have to plan ahead and not plan on charging at um, peak times. Although apparently it did say that public charges and rapid charges on motorways and A-roads will be exempt, exempt from this um, switching off. So it's not every single one, it's just most of them. <laughs> Look, it's just infrastructure. It's a lack of what was phrased in the press of joined-up thinking. It's yeah. also You've got that old thing that infrastructure is not exciting. It's yeah. boring it's... stuff, but it's very, very necessary. It's also fragmented because you have to – you look at this, this situation – the people that are building cars are better at it than the people that are installing charge points. It's not the same company. They're not working together. You know, when you build a house, you will have electricians, carpenters, plasterers, and they all have a project manager that makes sure they show up at the right time. You know, there's no point the plasterer finishing the wall, making it look, look beautiful, and then the electrician shows up to do the wiring. That I'm would be like... To, I'm old enough to remember Flanders and Swan and the, the gas man coming. <laughs> I have no yeah. idea what you're young, talking about young, at this point. Younger people need to look that up, and it's probably on YouTube. I shall yeah. Google it. It's like relaying a road and, you know before the tarmac has even cooled, the electricity company comes along and digs it up to lay new cabling. Yeah. It's that kind of, you know, that's where we're up to at the moment. It's because it's not one project with one project manager. There's loads of multiple things happening simultaneously and not being coordinated. You end up with these ridiculous consequences where someone runs too far ahead from someone else. And yeah, you could end up, worst case scenario, with a load of electric vehicles and nowhere to charge them. Yeah. Then we're back to the whole have a jog on your peloton to charge your car and it then turns into an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it it's, it's just comes back to, as businesses, how do you 
plan. I mean, as a business, how do you plan for all the ridiculous things that are currently happening? You know, how do you plan to keep your offices open when they're talking about, um, you know, shortages of electricity supplies or, um, you know, deliveries? Stock, the building trade is currently, um, you know, struggling to get materials. And the knock-on effect is that there are fewer building projects coming in, including things like renovations, not just new builds. Um, yeah. You know, you're looking down the chain and seeing the cascade of results and thinking, as a business, just basic continuity planning, how do I plan for the best and worst case scenarios? Moving on to some other news about the clean air zone. Again, we've done a full episode on that with the councillor in charge, uh, talking about the ins and outs of how that's all going to work. It that's was, Wahim Zafar, if you've done your research. Absolutely. Have a look back through our podcast episodes and you'll see it. Worth a listen. Um, so, yes, this was implemented in June this year. And uh, studies have shown, because the, they've input a load of... Um, sensors around the city and surrounding area, um, which now suggests that the latest uh, pollution count is down in the city by almost 20% just in those few months since it was uh, implemented. Um, and poor air quality is thought to be responsible for 900 deaths a year in Birmingham, according to uh, authority analysis. So that's, you know, that's some good news to show that it is actually uh, seemingly working in the city. Yeah. It did go on to say that there are signs, although the pollution in the city centre is falling, it, it looks like it's risen on the A4540 ring road that uh, borders the CAS. Well, um, they're planning ahead and they do work that one out. I, I remember 25 years ago living in Prague and the city had a smog issue on a day and the smog was considered toxic. So all vehicles were black, were banned from the city center. <clears throat> the police were out, blocked all the exits. It's just like, no, nothing's coming in except the, uh, the trams and the buses. That's it. And I used to live in Prague eight up on the top of a hill. I could actually see a ring of smog around the city center. It didn't stop the smog coming in, it just shifted it to the edge. I saw that coming 25 years ago. The clean air zone has done a lot of good for the city centre. It's caused a lot of people that work in the city centre to either upgrade their cars or start using alternative transport. People that don't want to upgrade their cars are taking the ring road and pushing the pollution elsewhere. There's got to be a plan for that. There are local businesses that have taken a massive hit because of the um, the clean air zone charge. I know I've lost, you know, working in self-storage, I've lost a few key accounts that would work from the city centre because their subcontractors are potentially using older vans or cars and they just won't entertain going into the city centre. Yeah. So... There's been winners, there's been losers. Obviously, better air quality is better for everyone that lives and works in the city centre. No doubt about that. Climate change means we have to start polluting less. So anything that you know moves us towards that is a good thing. But again, 
it's all about those uh, unintended consequences and the, the little freakonomic bits where it's like, well, I never expected that. Yeah, it did go on to say that the possible rise in pollution on the ring road and surrounding area there outside the clean air zone, it, it could just be a temporary transition while people adjust to the uh, behaviour of the new charging zone and re, you know, finding new routes to, to utilise instead of what they would otherwise use, like roads immediately surrounding the clean air zone. So the, there is every chance, you know, it, it's still early days. The clean air zone's only been in for a few months, so data is limited and the long-term vision may prove that this is absolutely the best uh, best thing that could be done, um, but it's just too soon to have an authority view on how things are going. But yeah, for the city centre, certainly an encouraging thing, but it certainly needs to be monitored for all the surrounding roads just to make sure yeah. that, yes, the, the, the issue isn't just being moved. That's certainly not optimal at all. But, but hopefully long term that will change. But not everybody's back in the office yet. So it'd be interesting to see this in, in a few months' time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, remember I I swapped out my old polluting diesel that wasn't clean air zone compliant for a up to date vehicle that is compliant. I didn't scrap my car. My car is now tootling up and down uh, motorways in the north of England, chugging out its uh, pollutants. So, yeah, prob the problem has been shifted. In five, six years' time, when a lot of these older cars wear out and they're just taken off the road through natural wastage, clean air zone will, in effect, have become redundant. Most people you sell or trade in their old cars. It sounds like you just set yours free. Oh yeah, I just just let it go. Gallivanting uh, around the countryside. Yeah, I just went up to Sandbatch Services in the car. It's like we're going out, we're going out for a run, and then I just abandoned it and went. You're free, go. And it, it looked at me a little bit. It tried to follow me out. And I was like, no, go away, go away. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's now living its best life on a farm somewhere. We can't go visit it, but it's it's happy. <laughs> Oh dear! What have we become? No, I, I, I sold it on private sale. But I said it shifted the problem. It didn't eliminate a polluting car off the road. It's just polluting elsewhere in the country now. But like I said, that that's just one of those things that over time, these cars will disappear and be replaced by less polluting, and then eventually electrics, and then eventually electric charging points because we'll get sick of pushing them. And with and the batteries then, on there, they'd be incredibly heavy to push. Yeah, and then afterwards, uh, we'll um, you know go back to those Fred Flintstone cars, or the pedal ones in Bugsy Malone. <laughs> I always wanted one of those as a kid. <laughs> well, let's they hope that awesome. more and more car manufacturers are going to be bringing out cars that will rival uh, the ranges that Tesla provides, like the upcoming BMW, which still obviously isn't a cheap car by any stretch of the imagination but hopefully in the There's next five years nothing as, uh, cheap about it apart from the locks as uh, tom cruise will testify to well yes he had the perfect birmingham experience you know he visited the bull ring had a couple of chicken tikas and uh had his car nicked yeah welcome to yes, birmingham but just just to go to the total opposite 
end of, of the uh, of the car range. Uh, I think I saw the other day that Citroen are introducing their Wii electric car um, from France, which is, I think, £5,000. Oh, wow. Okay. And I'm not saying it's got the uh, the range of a Tesla, or that you'd want to drive it that far, but... Um, and they call it the, the option Wii. For, ...for going into, uh, into town on your normal commute. The Citroen Wii. No, I was being Scottish. Oh, right. Okay. I thought I can't drive anything called a Wii. So it could mean Wii as in small, Wii as in the French for yes. I'm not going to finish that line. No, it's probably best not. We'd be struck off the airwaves again. Yeah. And, you know, it could also have the range of Vin Diesel in the Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Vin, if you're listening, you know, other actors are available. <laughs> other wooden actors are available. Time will tell. <laughs> After insulting Vin Diesel, I might not find out myself, but, you know. More of a wooden performer than Pinocchio, but there we go. Well, to be fair, we are trying to get rid of Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know where that came from, but, you know, just bon appetit. <laughs> <laughs> So, as you can probably tell, this was an unplanned episode about planning, which is uh, highly appropriate. Because of that, we haven't really planned an outro or how to round things up. So I think the, the best way we can probably round all this up is planning is all well and good until you get to such a stage where plans are either not making sense and then that could obviously lead to procrastination and just not getting stuff done. So it's always worth revising your plans, checking they're actually going to do the job Check that they're actually going to take you to where you want to go, and if they're not, you change them. And every plan, regardless of how well planned a plan is, plan for it to change, because they are always adaptable. So, without further ado, thank you for listening, and we shall catch you next time. You've been listening to Brumpod, the podcast for small businesses by small businesses. Brought to you by Brummies Networking, the home of free, stripped-back business networking. Produced by Audioshed Podcast Studio. Follow us on Twitter, at Brumpod. You can follow and subscribe to future episodes using Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and several other podcast platforms. Just search for Brumpod. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please do consider leaving us a review. Music by Bureaucratic. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>